Inverse Genius Fortnightly, Episode 85, Roulette Wheel of Stuff. In this episode, Eric and Don talk about all kinds of random stuff, from escape towers, to the boba drinks, to 3D printers, to movies on Netflix. Hey, if you like what you hear and you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash obg. Everything that comes in from there goes to cover our monthly podcasting costs, which we appreciate. Thanks. Welcome back to what is hopefully going to be a very mildly edited episode of the Inverse Genius <laughs> Fortnightly. I'm Donald Dennis. You can find me all over the wilds of the internet as well, Sfio. And I'm here with uh, the man, the myth, the legend himself, the cool cat of uh, podcasting, uh, Eric Dewey. Well, thank you, sir. Glad to be here. Thank you to be back on the Fortnightly. Got some fun Hooray. stuff to talk about. Hooray. Yeah. So first, before we get into new stuff to talk about, let's talk about some things that have already sort of bounced off of the show once or twice before. Uh, Strange New Worlds, the Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Uh, I'm pretty sure we've covered that uh, in a previous thing. I know we've talked about a lot of Star Trek stuff, and I have to say that it is fabulous. It Once again, the Strange New Worlds is the pre-Captain Kirk era. There is a Kirk or two on the show. Uh, neither one of them is a captain. Uh, it takes place on the Enterprise, and it's a uh, uh, Captain Pike, and it feels like the closest thing to the original series, but done with modern sensibilities. Because you look at the previous stuff with like the Next Generation or Deep Space Nine, it, it was set in the Star Trek universe, but it didn't feel like you were telling sort of the same kind of stories and the same, you know, mm-hmm. uh, forthrightness, I guess. And this really does, and, and I love it so much. It's so cool. Uh, I wonder if they're going to bother explaining uh, why everything went retro uh, with the dials and switches and stuff at the end of the show, because obviously (laughs) everything in this is uh, super high tech. Yeah. You know, it is kind of funny how you look at any sci-fi really from the, from before a decade ago and stuff like cell phones and always having internet and things completely break. You know, everything you look at Star Wars where everything is almost hand delivered, right? There's no, <laughs> there's right. no uh, phone lines uh, or anything like that. And it does seem kind of funny. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I guess actually, if you know, you say a decade, but really you mean, you know, 20 years ago, Eric. I have no ability to tell time at this point, how much time has passed. Right. I mean, you, your point is made uh, that, <laughs> yes, before a certain point, it's like, where is all this high sci-fi stuff that everybody should know about? Uh, but for you and me, it is much farther back than we would like to admit. <laughs> could be, could be. So uh, um, my wife and I are in the middle of watching Mayhem, the Muppet thing with Dr. Teeth. And oh, yeah. I think we're actually near the end. There's probably one or two episodes left and really enjoying it. It really captures a lot of the fun of the Muppets. I'm st- I, something that I hadn't ever voiced, actually Amy voiced it, um, is that whenever you see Muppets in their full, like standing, like with their legs, they always look really weird. Like anything from the waist up is fine. But, you know, when you see them with their kind of elongated legs, they look kind of goofy. But uh, yeah. definitely having fun with it, in- enjoying the aesthetic, enjoying the cameos. It's fun. I think that uh, yeah, in Mayhem, they did uh, that a little better. I mean, they didn't, of course show a lot of, Hey, look, we're looking at their feet. Uh, but mm-hmm. it didn't, it feels better than when you first see like Kermit, the frog walking around on stilty legs. Right. Right. Exactly. And other stuff. <laughs> so cool. 
I'm going to talk back to, we've also covered a bunch of Makerspace stuff here on the show. And we got the Meku box out this summer at the library and really put it through its paces. We did a bunch of plaster molds and, and a variety of things. And we made chocolates out of them. Uh, we didn't make chocolates on the vacuum former. That's wrong. So you made molds for chocolates. <laughs> there we go. Right. Yeah. And so <laughs> we went online, we found gear patterns because somebody wanted to do sort of a steampunk uh, gear sort of thing. And so we cut out the gears on our laser cutter. Uh, we vacuum formed them. So then we had great molds in a variety of sizes and we've used the heck out of it this summer. And I, I can't wait. It's like, if I ever have to do decorations for something, I now know that I can make some, we'll say gently reusable molds. Cause if you're making intricate figures and intricate shapes, you might only get one good pull. sort of casting out of it. Yeah. Unless you're using a thicker material. It, there's a lot of things to consider, but it's a lot of fun. I've had a lot of fun with, you know, enjoyed it quite a bit and it was delicious. That's cool. The most delicious activity we ever did at the library. <laughs> you know, having a vacuum form team, uh, a tool, kind of opens up some interesting opportunities. It's of course used tons in cosplay and stuff, but really just uh, you know miniature terrain and things like that. I think you can do some fun yep. stuff. That's something I hope to do this fall. Is uh, we've done you know mold making and model making and a variety of things. Like, well, what if we had uh, a multi part buck? That's what you call the thing you cast over. You do the right. suction over. If we had a multi-part buck there that we could pop apart so we can easily get it out of the styrene, but we could also then cast or form buildings or walls or whatever it is, uh, you know, usable there. And so that's that's something I'm going to play with soon. But, you know, that sounds like a different podcast. It does. But it's interesting. Uh, so it does. Um, I had sent you a link. I don't know if you got to watch this or not, but uh, we've talked about the show Ghosts on the sh on this show, both the BBC and the uh, ABC version. And mm -hmm. uh, a few months ago, uh, for Comic Relief for Red Nose Day, which is raising money for homeless, um, they released a video where Kylie Minogue goes to the British Ghosts show. Basically, she goes to the mansion because they're thinking about doing a, a, a concert there. And um, it's about seven minutes long, seven and a half minutes long. And it, it was hilarious. I was cracking up at it. Some fun little twists in that little short video. So hop on over to YouTube. Look at Kylie Minogue and Ghosts. Uh, did you get to watch it yet? I did not. Uh, okay, or, you should watch or it. Or I did and I've already forgotten it because it's been a weird month. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. So anyway, if you enjoyed the British Ghosts or Kylie Minogue, but mostly the British Ghosts, um, check this out. It's, it's pretty funny. And I have to say, the uh, the quality between the British version and the American version, I think they both stand up very well. Oh, I agree. the The American version seems a little nicer, you know, but uh, versus the British version, uh, basically. But I, I I love them both, I, and I like how they have the same types of humor, but different sort of tones, I think is probably the way I would put it. Right. So yeah, I agree. I, they both, they both stand up well. Right, right, right. Um, I'm just going to say we, I meant to do a whole episode where one of the things we covered was Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Uh, we'll cover that when we get to the third one, which is coming out next spring. And we'll just talk about all three of them at once. All those, all the animated perfect. stuff. Um, perfect, perfect. Oh, something I'm super excited about but that I don't have on my, in my grubby little paws right now is, you know, well, 
you've been to conventions with me, Eric. So, you know, I generally have the same satchel yep. that I drag with me because it's got um, all the place for my various art supplies. It's got multiple, you know, little dividers in it and whatnot. Uh, the guy who we've talked about on the show, Jazza, his channel and various art supply bundles and stuff like that. He's got a, a thing for a carry all studio where there's two different sizes of bags uh, and you can also get a bundle that has a bunch of art supplies already in it and things like that. Um, I've backed that uh, for probably more than I should have at this point. Um, <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> and it's going to be coming in uh, at Christmas, they say. And they've they've generally delivered stuff pretty much on time. I think one of the things that they've done with the pre-orders wasn't ready. But if you are looking or if you just have sort of the unhealthy ex- obsession with various kinds of bundles, packaging boxes and, and carry-alls uh, go check out uh, the Jazz's uh, carry-all bundle. I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, it's looks really neat and it's got different colors. You can, uh, it's all like the black canvas bags is what it looks like. And then they have a uh, vegan leather uh, flap over the top in a variety of colors. So you don't have to get just the one kind. Cool. So go check that out. Do you have any I, other callbacks or should I, I nope. dive into to this? Yeah. So I got an email from you saying, Hey, you should, you should check this out and, and get the demo copy of the quest tower. Oh. Fascinating escape room in your hands. And their Kickstarter is ongoing right now. And it is, I've got it. I have not been able to wrestle it into submission yet. Theoretically, by the time we get to the next episode of Onboard Games, I will have had a chance to complete the puzzles, though I think you know I'm going to be not very good at this. Uh, <laughs> it is an amazing-looking sort of tower about, I don't know, 8 to 10 inches tall, I, I, I couldn't say, uh, that has a bunch of puzzles on it. And I don't really know how to describe it. You've, you've done these kinds of things before. How would you describe it? So it's kind of like a Chinese puzzle box in the idea that you're moving different pieces around, but you're not, you're ultimately trying to get into the box, but in order to do it, you have to follow through the various, uh, you have to solve the various puzzles. But what I have found real appreciative about these escape belt puzzles is that there is logic to them. Like for mm-hmm. instance, Oh, you know, there's only one flower here and there's two flowers over there. That means I need to do this other one first. And then the, you know, this one second. So it's not just kind of randomly, although, Arguably, you do spend a lot of time randomly moving things around, seeing what they do. But it's but there is there is a logic to kind of sorting through the puzzles themselves. I I agree. A flow, a flow. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it looks like it's about six inches tall. It feels bigger when you get it in your hands. Uh, Maybe it's just (laughs) because it's it's an odd shape. It's not just you know like a six inch tube. It's sort of a tiering step tower, Uh, and it looks amazing. And it has this substantial feel and it showed up at work. Right. Mm -hmm. And immediately the kids who were there were like, let me get my grubby little paws (laughs) all over this. And they were not paying attention to anything else they were supposed to be doing. Uh, And I managed to get it away from them before they solved it and popped anything open. But uh, they were excited. And, uh, after I've completed it, maybe we'll let them play with the parts. But I, I can't wait to break into it and see how they assembled it. It is, it looks like a, just a ton of wood. The words fine German engineering certainly come to mind with them. <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah, 
uh, go check that out. I, I hate to recommend so many Kickstarters. I'm not generally a Kickstarter fan, but this is the kind of thing that if you like escape rooms or puzzle boxes or anything like that, that these folks over at Escape World should, should certainly be on your radar. Uh, and they are fascinating. If, if unlike me, you have lots of room on your shelves and you put cool <laughs> conversation pieces up there or, you know, something that, you know, you can, some beautiful dust catchers, then that's exactly what these would be great for. Yeah. So. I know how you don't want to sort of promote Kickstarters, but I will say, you know what you like, right? So when you see a Kickstarter, that is something that you, you like, then, then, then yes. you have no questions. And, yeah. and once again, they did send me that. Uh, so I, I haven't backed it and uh, I might have, because just based on the quality of the previous ones that they've, they've sent out that, that there's a chance I would have if I'd have known about it. But now you know about it, so you can go back it. Eric, go back it. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, did we want to talk about resin printers at all or not? If you want to. We we got one at work. Uh, I think it's the Saturn II, I believe. Uh-huh. Um, I, I hate everything about it. So um, real quick, the big differences between a resin printer and like an FDM 3D printer is that it uh, obviously has this pool of resin, shoots a quick image of the layer. So the entire layer is done at the same time, as opposed to 3D printers, got a, the FDMs that's got to move their arms around. Uh, but when all is said and done, you've got your resin model there. You then have to clean it. You then have to cure it in UV light. And then, um, you are, and then you're free to play with your model. But the, the kicker is, is that the detail is great, but the materials are reasonably hazardous. So it's not something like you're dipping your hands in acid, but you do want to pay attention to what you're doing with the stuff. Right. And, and it gets everywhere. And it is very sensitive to things like UV, because it is UV mm-hmm. resin, right? Uh, it is very sensitive to temperature to vibrations, to all the things that you're expecting with a fiddly craft. And it is a hot mess. You don't, unlike if you're doing the normal 3D printing, which I'm also sort of over with at this point, uh, it's everywhere. I could not see having a resin printer at home where I have a cat who likes to touch everything. And you'll get resin on your cat, which is horrible. you would get cat hair in your resin, which is almost as bad. And I love the idea of it, but it's the kind of thing where I'd want to have a makerspace, or in my case, I've got it at work, and we're about to get a whole new enclosure for it, which will be much better. But it's it's not a, oh, look, I'm going to just throw this on my desk, and I'm not going to worry about hazardous waste, because there is a lot of waste material. There's a lot of making sure that everything's calibrated. It feels like it's just not up to snuff like some of the laser cutter stuff is, where it's like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to throw it on. I'm going to wrap a prototype. I'm going to just hope that it doesn't catch on fire. And let's move along. Yeah. So uh, they do make uh, enclosures like 20, 30 bucks. They have sort of like a, it's like a grow. I think it's also for growing plants or something, but, you know, fits, fits the, 3d printer to kind of contain some of the fumes you can put in a a filter and stuff like that but yeah you're right the idea that 3d printing at all is i buy a printer and then within a few hours or a few days even i have stuff that i've made is a fallacy both types of printers require a lot of configuration and and 
steps and things like that. And so, yeah, the best kind of printer is to have access to a printer. <laughs> it's kind of like a right. boat, right? <laughs> the best boat is to have a friend who has a boat. One hundred percent, and and I think that that's that's absolutely absolutely correct. So I look forward to learning more and getting less irritated by it. But right now, I'm like, and it's not the fault of that particular printer. Uh, it's just. If I'd have known how much of a headache it was, I would have resisted this whole lot more. <laughs> so, yeah, but I think once you get everything dialed in and the process down, you'll you'll be like, oh man, I really need this and I need this and like we needed a wagon, like the party needed a wagon, and so I found a three D model of a wagon, printed that bad boy on the resin printer, and uh, it was phenomenal. Or I I made some additional spaceships for Firefly and. 3D resin printer those and the difference between the resin printed and the FDM printed were just night and day because I printed the same model on both. So once you get it down, it's pretty darn awesome. Well, okay. Um, I think I'm thirsty. So let's talk about uh, something thirsty. Wait, no, that's not right. Thirsty means something else these days. <laughs> so I, I want to talk about something you and I had a chance to experience when I was in Oklahoma and way back before that, when I lived in California, I had the opportunity to go to a strange and exotic shop uh, that sold tea with pearls in it. Not actual <laughs> pearls, but top tapioca pearls. And this was this was back, I can't say in the 1900s. This was back in the, uh, like, 2001. And it was a boba shop. And now boba is everywhere. I was surprised to venture back to Oklahoma when I was uh, there visiting my parents earlier this year. And you and I were tooling around and we're like, well, we need to stop, have a meeting, get a refreshing beverage. And so we went to a boba shop. And yep. that that is, I, I'm not going to say it's an obsession, uh, but I have developed a huge appreciation for the fact that even a place like Oklahoma now has a bunch of these. You can also get cans of it at five below. There's a bunch of different flavors and it is, it's just pretty fabulous. What, what do you think <laughs> about Boba? So yeah, that was my first experience with it. I was familiar with it. So the, the pearls are little tapioca pearls and then the, the teas are flavored teas. So uh, the, my biggest issue that I have with any of this stuff is that I have no idea what any of these things taste like, right? Like I'm not a big coffee drinker at all. I like, honestly, I like coffee flavored milkshakes. So if I end up going into Starbucks or something, I end up, I would order something that is just, I might as well just go get a milkshake. It's the same. Right. A dessert with a little bit of coffee flavor in it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And so tea is sort of the same thing. Like I, obviously I know what Earl, uh, Earl Grey type tea tastes like, and but when you go into these coffee, it's like, oh, here's Horizon Sunrise or something. I'm like, oh my gosh, just like we were joking before about paint colors, you know? I was like, mm-hmm. Nuclear Sunrise should look like this or that. So, so I kind of picked one that I was like, all right, watermelon, you know, had words I recognized in it, and uh, and I really enjoyed it. It was really great. I would, I would certainly get something like that again. The biggest problem I have is I don't know that I would go enough times to understand what the different flavors truly are. And when you ask somebody, they, you know, it's like asking how a wine tastes. Oh, this is a little hints of whatever. I'm like, okay, I I don't know that I have a palate sophisticated enough to detect those. (laughs) And there's more, there's even more reason for confusion. So uh, I went to another tea place with a friend when I was in Oklahoma and got this, uh, 
burnt brown sugar, uh, blah, blah, this, that, and the other. And I was like, because I was like, what's your most popular thing? I said, well, this is the most popular drink we've got. I'm like, I'll have that. I was midway through it, and I realized, wait, this isn't tea. This is coffee. Oh. Um, because <laughs> it was such other strong. So it's like, I generally dislike coffee. But I was like, nope, this is good enough. I'm going to have it. All right. So you think, well, what does it really matter? And sometimes it's not teas. Like you had a fruit juice flavored thing with boba in it. And that's great. Right. The watermelon which is probably just blended watermelon with the pearls in it. Um, but then there's a whole nother kind of boba that will blow your mind. It's popping boba. And now Ooh. do you even know what that is? Is this something that Eric is familiar with? I am not. I mean, my gut says it's pop rocks in a boba pearl, but I don't know. That is a horrifically U.S. version of that <laughs> that I've never heard of, but I could I could see that. No, so instead of being little spheres, basically semi-solid spheres of tapioca uh, tea or whatever, these are like little, not gelatin, but some sort of shell with their fruit gushers of the bubble world, right? Ah, that, that, have, that have something inside of it, and. This is a brilliant idea right up until you realize that there is zero. You walk up to a counter at one of these stores and there is zero quality control for you say, I want this flavor of popping boba and this flavor of drink. And the person who's running the counter won't say those two flavors don't go well together. <laughs> Imagine my pre- surprise when <laughs> right when, when spearmint and uh, whatever it doesn't know. Uh, so, these are amazing. The, the weird thing is, though, is once the little pop thing pops, you've got the little sheath from it. It's kind of like the caviar of the boba world uh, <laughs> that is there in your own in your own mouth. Uh, and but other than that, it's great because once again, you're they're now expanding it out. And I sort of like that boba is a new enough thing. It's established enough that there's traditional. This is boba, mm-hmm. but then it's a new enough thing, and there's new variants that that you can do it in a variety of, of different ways and people aren't going to stare down their nose at you too much, uh, but you can make it at home, right? So you can order a bag mm. of Boba pearls like on Amazon. Right. And, and I don't, don't know if that's the way to go or not, but because the pearls frozen- themselves, they're, they're just like a flavor, right? They're sort of that tapioca flavor or do they have flavored? Pearls? I, 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 I mean, I don't know uh, if, if there's a real flavor or if there is a variety of flavors, but generally they're more of a sensation of texture. Right. And, right. That's what I thought. They're kind of like enhance the rest of whatever's going on. Right. Uh, right. But it does mean that if you buy those pearls, Don, you'll also mm. have to buy the extra wide straws, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, you will. <laughs> um, unless you're, no, I mean, yeah, you, you need to buy the straws. And that's that's kind of the interesting thing is you need special hardware to drink this beverage uh, <laughs> or, you're, or you're using a spoon. But yep. uh, the cans, if you get the canned versions, because the ones at Five Below, they've got like a melon flavor. They've got the brown sugar, which is the super popular one. They've got tapi- tapioca. Uh, it's a per- the purple can is delicious. The chai tea flavored boba is a disappointment, I think is the politest way to put it. Um, but they have a frozen. So if like, if you're at your market and you see they've got in the frozen section, there are frozen little packages of boba that you basically put in a cup of warm water, it comes up to temperature, and then you pour it in whatever your milk of choice is. I've got an oat milk that I really like, uh, though any milk will work uh, that you know doesn't 
doesn't cause you issues. And so you can do that. But the idea that you can just buy a bag of Boba pearls, uh-huh. and it's, it's frightening, but Boba, uh, Dr. Pepper, you just start experimenting. <laughs> Boba pepper. Oh, I could see Bruce doing that or yeah. like Owen doing a Boba Mountain Dew. That would be a thing. Or Jack Daniels and water and Boba. <laughs> right. Theoretically, you can make your own pearls. That is something I will never do. That sounds like Just, a lot of work. It's right up there with cake pops. Or it's like, oh, that's really cool. Right up to the way you make them. And like, this is an unending step of. Or your own filo cool dough. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm not going to do that. So exactly. delicious, delicious boba. I recommend it. I'm going to go and get one. If I would remembered that I was going to cover this today, I would have had one here while we were recording and be munching uh, on the little, uh, little pearls. pearls. Yeah. Uh, probably so it's just as well. I don't. Like that, so. Uh, so talk to me. What do you got? I understand you've watched right. some things. I've watched some things. Yeah. I've been, uh, you know, going through Netflix lately and working from home. I used to read during my lunch break, but now that I've got access to my TVs and stuff, eh, let's watch some stuff on, on, uh, on Netflix. So um, there's three things that are Netflix originals that I've watched that I wanted to go over. We'll start with the uh, first one, which is extraction Two. Uh, which is a sequel to Extraction, which has Chris Thor Helmsworth in it. And he's basically a mercenary. And in the first movie, he's hired to help basically this drug lord's kids kidnapped. And so he has to rescue the kid and return to the drug lord. But there's lots of complications between that. That's where the extraction comes from. They extract the person from the bad thing and trying to bring them to the good thing. Uh, And then... The uh, second one is a similar thing. There's this person whose husband is a drug lord. He's in prison and he's got the mother and the two kids in the prison with him. And Chris Helmsworth team is hired to extract them out of the prison. And then, of course, it never goes smoothly and things go on from there. So really enjoyed these movies, found them to be a lot of fun. Very um, the combat is kind of John Wick ish, not quite as stylized, but sort of fast and frenetic and brutal. And um, the both movies have a particular scene where it looks like it's one long shot for at least 10 or 15 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. There's a bridge scene in the first one and then, then a uh, riot in the prison in the second one. And both of which are just really impressive uh, cinematography checks. So I really liked them. I've realized I have kind of a man crush and Chris Helmsworth sort of like I do with Jason Statham. So, um, cause if I, if I look at it objectively, his character while interesting is very, um, monotone. He's sort of like whatever Bruce Willis is, uh, right. in most of his latter career. Well, he's much better. He's much better in the second one, I think than the first one. Um, but he's not humorous like anything Bruce Willis ever did. Right. Uh, we'll just say that it's not a fun, funny movie. It's not even really fun, but it is very exciting. Uh, and in fact, I think I think Instraction Two is a much better example of what the series should have been. And I think there's a third one already already being made. Uh, certainly but, gave the teaser for one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I I enjoyed uh, the first one. Was kind of tough. I mean, it was super dark. It was dark uh, it and was, relatively brutal. And there's very few people you root for, right? You root for Chris, you root for the kid, almost you know, Chris's team. Almost everybody else is a morally compromised person. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And, and this one, it felt like the, you know, you sort of understood that didn't necessarily agree with, but you understood sort of the bad guy's perceptions of what was mm-hmm. going on a bit. Um, and you, uh, yeah, it was definitely, Oh, I see the brutal world in which we live. This is beginning to make more sense. And I think that the mythos behind what's happening in this universe makes a lot more sense than what's going on in the John wick universe. That oh, you're absolutely. Mentioned. Absolutely. <laughs> Though there's no reason it couldn't also be part of that same universe. Right. I mean, they haven't, made it impossible at this point i suppose uh, though, though i don't think it is right yeah <laughs> so so that's extraction two uh another like thing it. another thing i watched is uh fubar with arnold schwarzenegger uh so this is like an eight episode ten episode series um and the easiest way to put it this is what if true lies had a sequel <laughs> so schwarzenegger works for the cia he's actually retiring and this is like his last mission. And we come to find out that nobody in his family knows that he was with the CIA. It caused his marriage to fall apart and all of this kind of stuff. And so he's got some grand plans to retire, win his ex-wife back, and basically be the father he should have been while he was too busy saving the world. And um, unbeknownst or little did you know, he gets pulled in for one more mission that ends up obviously completely changing everything off they go. So what, what I liked about this show, first of all, is it had a great mix of humor and serious action, just kind of like true lies. It really had that same, in fact, Tom Arnold even makes some, some guest appearances in it. Uh, So it definitely had that same vibe. The team that Schwarzenegger has that works with is really good. They have this opportunity to be stereotypes, you know, Oh, here's the himbo and here's the lesbian, um, you know, super smart lesbian person and whatnot, but instead they're, they're almost, they're actually fully formed characters. And so they have a, which is nice because with the eight or 10 episodes, they have the opportunity to kind of explore them. And then you, you deal a lot with uh, Schwarzenegger's relationships with his family because he's trying to juggle both of those kinds of things. And so it, it works, it works really well. The only thing I didn't like about it, Every episode ends on a cliffhanger. So, oh, hey, I want to go see what happens next. And that's really cool. Except it does the same thing that I'm seeing so many streaming stories do. And that is the final episode wants to really set up season two. And so it completely sort of blows away everything that's been worked towards. So it's like, oh, Schwarzenegger gets his family. Oh, no, wait, he doesn't because suddenly blah, blah, blah. Ed, you'll have to see season two to see why. And that part has really started to frost me because I get invested in this and then suddenly everything that I was invested in is pointless because the, the, the stakes have changed. Right. And, and when, with the Netflix thing, you know, you're pretty confident that if the series does well and they are pushing the Schwarzenegger stuff enough that, yeah. it, that it's probably doing well enough that, that you know you're going to get probably a second season and maybe a third season but it's unlikely from Netflix you're ever going to get more than three seasons of anything. So if they set up that big cliffhanger, everything's falling at the end of the third season, you've got a right to just be angry uh, as opposed to excited and desperate for the next season. So Yeah, that's yeah. the way I felt about Cowboy Bebop because I really enjoyed it. I loved it. The end was uh, – it wasn't quite as bad, but it definitely set up. I mean, the whole team breaks up. So you're like, oh, man, I want to see the team come together. And then they're like, yeah, we're canceling it. We're done. I'm like, well. Yeah. The, the worst thing about the Cowboy Bebop's live action thing is the fans of the animated series. Uh, they killed it. 
It's I know. Because like, oh. it, it was oh. good. I liked it. You know, it's different, but still had the style. So you mentioned the True Lies. Uh, there's a True Lies TV ser- series on, I think it's on, I don't know what it's on. It's on one of the streaming services. And uh, it's pretty good as well, but it did feel more like uh, this FUBAR, because I didn't watch the whole thing, but Connie did. Uh, it did feel more like the inheritor of the True Lies series. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, even the daughter felt more like the daughter from the movie Oh yeah. Than, than the daughter from you know, uh, the TV show felt like anything, you know, that's there. So, uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to go back and watch FUBAR, but I did enjoy the two or three partial episodes that I saw while Connie was watching it when we were eating dinner or something like that. So cool. I, I like it. Excellent. So one more thing I decided to take a look at, uh, Netflix recommended a show that they made called dead to me. So dead to me stars, Christina Applegate and, the girl who's Hawkeye's wife and was Velma and Scooby-Doo Linda something or another. I think her name is anyway. Um, the premise is, is that Christina Applegate's husband has been killed in a hit and run. And we're sort of dealing with the aftermath in her life about that. And this other girl, Judy kind of comes into her life. Uh, they meet at a grief support group and they become friends and, discover other things about one another. Um, So first of all, the preview that plays, you know, if you pause on Netflix, it kind of shows you a little preview of it. The preview that played made it seem like it was going to be sort of a quirky, dark, funny show. Uh, And in fact, had two characters in it that you don't see for at least three or four episodes. (laughs) So when I started watching this show, I was like, Oh, this will be kind of fun. And then boom, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty dark. Uh, Christina Applegate's a very angry character. She's very snarky. So that's kind of funny. But then as you, as the story starts to unfold, you, it just becomes more. It's like, Oh, and again, it ends each episode on a cliffhanger as well. You're like, Oh, but wait, there's more. And you, you see where the bowl, the boulder is rolling down the hill and you see what village it's going to crush. And you're like, how is this going to play out? Um, so I finished Mm. the first season and started the second season. And, um, uh, it's definitely an interesting story. I don't want to talk too much about it without throwing some spoilers in, but, uh, it's not funny. Uh, it's a little <laughs> dark and humorous, but it's not funny. <laughs> yep. But yep. Yep. It is interesting. Nice. Um, I mean, I, I didn't even hit my radar. I don't think that, that I'm a thing, but it's, in, it's interesting to see Christina Applegate acting again. It has been a while since I've seen her in anything. True. Yeah. And she does a really good job. And what the other thing I found sort of interesting wise was a main, it's not a main plot point, but an important plot point to her character is that she had the gene for uh, breast cancer. And so she had a double (coughs) mastectomy and then had implants. Uh, And what, what is notable about that is that is exactly the same thing that happened to Christina Applegate. And so I was kind of curious. um, It is an important plot point, but it's also kind of interesting how I'm, I'm sure that 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 her life sort of instigated some of that plot point. Not that the actual experiences, but still, you know, it's something. Right. When she first mentioned it, in the, it, I was like, "That's kind of odd that 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 they would do that." And then, like an episode or two later, it comes back, and there's a reason that it was mentioned. You're like, "Oh, okay, that's cool." So, huh. I wonder if it's 
So you have, when you're doing stuff for streaming, right? I imagine that they have a little more room to negotiate on things like that that would be inclusions in the story. Because I imagine that that was very personal, important to Christina Applegate in her life. And so it might be saying, well, sure, I will do this, but I'd like to work this in as part of the character to sort of share that part of my story through something I'm acting in. Uh, Yeah. And it, it makes the character seem a little more fully realized, I believe. I agreed. Agreed. And so really the story is about the people in our lives and how, because they keep uncovering more stuff about her husband and the person who killed her husband. And, um, you know, so the, the thing is, is like, we don't really know what's really going on in everybody's life. Um, you know, how well do you really know the person around you kind of thing? Right. And, uh, right. so it's interesting. So that's dead to me. It's a, it, I, I'm, I'm certainly going to watch it's three seasons long. So I'll watch all three seasons uh, hopefully they don't end the last season on a cliffhanger. Um, but yeah, it, it wasn't what I expected, but I stuck around because I like the actresses. They're really good. They have a good dynamic uh, nice. as well. So I'm at the point now where used to be when uh, I saw a, a thing like, oh, I want there to be 3000 episodes of Stargate. <laughs> right. Or what have you. Right. I think I'm at the place right now where what I would prefer is three or four tight seasons of just however many episodes are necessary to flush out the characters a little bit, get a little background and buy in, um, you know, maybe some day in the life of episodes, but by and large, I want most of it to sort of be focused around here is this story kind of like Babylon five, right? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, you're, you're going to do X number of series, you're going to get it done. None of these episodes are going to be a waste because either you're developing the, uh, the Malari or the Jakar sort of dynamic, but it's all going to mm-hmm. be part of building towards this thing. And then it's done. And then if they want to, they can do a second series, right? Like I'm hoping that Amazon is going to pick up the second part of the expanse story, oh, which right, they yeah. didn't cover the whole series of books. Well, they're going to let the people age five or 10 years and then mm-hmm. do the second expanse series. I, there's no rumor at this. This is wish list stuff, guys. So don't, don't think I'm claiming this is going to happen, <laughs> but I, I like the idea that there's more limited number of series of, of, of episodes because then it's easier to sort of jump in, digest it. And then if you ever want to do a rewatch of it, you can say, Oh, I'm going to rewatch this and not have to do seven seasons right. at 50 episodes a season at, at what have you. Uh, and so like, I'd love to rewatch star Trek next generation, but I'm like, no, yeah, no. it's just, I, yeah. Uh, buddy of mine, John, he watched every star Trek show. Uh, so every episode of every star Trek show he rewatched and, uh, you know, it took a long time. He took breaks in between sh- series, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't think I could do that. I kind of, it makes me think I call it sort of the firefly effect. You know, everyone's like, Oh, firefly was, was canceled too soon and stuff. And I'm kind of wondering your, 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 your timeline of three or four seasons is interesting. You know, how long can a show go on before it becomes like, Oh, you should have stopped, you know, like you look at Farscape and it needed those three or four seasons to really become all that it could be. And obviously and I think it could have done with two more seasons. Right. But yeah, they just they just knifed it in the back and it was done with. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And I think it, it has a lot to do with sort of the vision of the universe that is set up and what is going on because Straczynski in the Babylon five, he had an arc. He had oh, that yeah. sort of, he had it outlined the whole way. Yeah. And that's the only reason that I want to actually see there's a new Babylon five thing that's being proposed and is in the pre-works. And of course, now that there's the writer's strike, who knows all that's going to be pushed back or it may even get accelerated because people aren't developing new properties, right? It may be at the point where they go, well, you've already got so much work done on this. You're going to be ready to hit the ground running instead of all this other stuff that it was sort of blown away by the strike. Uh, But uh, just the fact that he had it all planned and it was a good to go. And you did feel sort of like in Farscape, they were like, and today we're winging it. Yeah. Well, today (laughs) is going to be a Crichton goes crazy episode (laughs) or, you know, yeah. Exactly. And and I think that has something to do more along the lines with the idea of like a 26 episode season. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that's one of the things I love about the British shows and a lot of these uh, other shows, too, where they have the condensed seasons, 10, 12 episodes. So you can get all of the story bits and then you don't have sort of the filler episodes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now I'm watching the uh, uh, Secret Invasion series mm-hmm. on on Disney um, Marvel stuff. And you'll notice I haven't mentioned it as something that I'm really excited to talk about. There's, as we're recording this, there's one episode left, and I don't know if I love the show yet or not. I was going to say it sounds it, the 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 theme makes it sound like you won't know if you liked it until the very end, <laughs> right? And we don't know what is going to have effect on the universe going forward. It does feel like they've been playing it kind of safe in some elements. It's beginning to look like the big bad guy who seemed to know and have a big plan is going on is now shooting from the hip and doing some really stupid, you know, just this, that, and the other. It could be amazing. It could be horrible. I have no idea if what seemed awkward in the first or second episode was selective editing so that when they do a flashback scene, you see what was really being communicated or who knows? You you just can't tell because it's a spy intrigue sort of thing. So... I look forward to the series being over so that I can figure out what I thought about it. <laughs> if I liked it or not. I understand right. completely. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And speaking of it being over, I think that unless you have anything else you really want to share with our friends, uh, that we're done talking. I'm good. It is always oh. fun talking with you, man. It is. It is a blast. So, uh, folks, hey, if you have enjoyed this, go check out our other Inverse Genius episodes or go listen to the Onboard Games podcast that, uh, well, that I make Eric do all the real work on these <laughs> days. And, uh, and go check that out. You can go to InverseGenius.com or head over to our Facebook group there. We're really not using Twitter all that much anymore. Uh, in fact, unless it's automatically posting, I don't think I've posted anything there in months and months. Uh, so yeah, go find us in some of those locations. If you have any ideas for things you would like us to look at or talk about, uh, Hey, please let us know. Cause we're always looking for more fun, exciting, or interesting things to share with our listeners. Excellent. So I'm Donald. I'm Eric. And you've been listening to the inverse genius fortnightly. Goodbye, everybody. Yay. That's it for this episode of the inverse genius podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 License. Thank you.